You are listening to Intergenerational Politics with Jill Wine-Banks and Victor Shi, where we host weekly political discussions that are engaging and relevant to all generations with experts on various issues facing our country today. This is Victor Shi. Um, probably more relevant to today's conversation, I'm the youngest Joe Biden delegate here in Illinois, and I'm also the proud co-host of this podcast with Jill. Um, Jill, can you give us a brief introduction about who you are and um, perhaps something relevant to today? Sure. For today, I am a Biden delegate, not the youngest, maybe the oldest, but I'm not sure about that. I am today wearing a t-shirt from Clinton's first inauguration, which makes this t-shirt older than my co-host. Um, but that's the joy of today is that we, Victor and I, get to talk from two completely different perspectives about the convention. And today's episode is very different. We're not having any guests on this. It's just gonna be us talking about the convention. And I wanna start with talking about, uh, and maybe start by both of us talking about how we came to meet, how we came to be delegates, and why we support Joe Biden. So, Victor, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I just some of those. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, I think this is such an important moment in politics. You know, this is such a big moment for presidential politics, and you can see um, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see that Jill and I both are decked out in our gear. She has this inauguration <laughs> shirt and a Biden pin. Um, I have the what the Illinois delegation sent us, which is this, like Illinois um, for Biden shirt, and then some DNC pins that they sent us. So, like, we're all decked up, you know, pretending that we're at the convention, but just virtually. Um, in terms of just how we met, so you know, Jill and I, we both ran to become delegates here in Illinois. She ran in a different district than I had, but um, you know, through the process, I reached out to her through the magic of Twitter, um, through a Twitter DM, and then um, we just connected um, and kind of clicked on uh, you know um, our love for Joe Biden and just our values, and then you know this podcast launched from here. But in terms of just how we met, it was all through the magic of Twitter. So social media can do so much and open so many doors for you. So uh, that's all true. Um, I made the decision very early on to support Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. From the very beginning, I was a big supporter. I believed, and I still believe, that he is the one who can bring this country together, can heal the divide that has been created in the last nearly four years. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I decided to run as a delegate, because I'm a person who says, if there's a problem, and it needs a solution, you can't complain, you have to do something. Yeah. And since I was complaining about the Trump administration, I felt I had to do everything in my power to make sure that there was a good candidate to make sure that the, that candidate won. And so that's why I decided to run as a delegate and was delighted when uh, Victor reached out. And he's correct, we just started corresponding on DMs and eventually we moved to email. <laughs> and eventually we actually met. This summer we met at a farmer's market, socially distanced and wearing masks. Um, and so it's been a delight to get to know him. He's an extraordinary uh, person as a delegate and just as a person who's a thinking person. Um, but you wanna talk a little more about why you're yeah. supporting Joe Biden particularly. Um, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so I think, you know, for me as a young person at the time, so I actually started off as an Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris supporter. I saw, you know, Elizabeth Warren came to Chicago. She went to the Ida B. Wells Auditorium right next to Roosevelt University and did this massive, uh, you know, 
rallied. And so um, I was like in the first two rows. So I saw her, um, I listened to her speak. She was, you know, anyone who has seen her speak before, I don't think you can deny that she's this passionate, exciting speaker who really gets the crowd riled up. And so I thought that was kind of the moment that I, you know, loved Elizabeth Warren. And then we took a, a selfie in her, you know, really famous selfie lines. And then the first couple of debates kind of rolled around. And then I, you know, I thought Joe Biden was this he wasn't, I thought for me, like, I didn't know much about him, but I knew that after watching the first two debates that he was um, not your average politician in the sense that, you know, he really connects with people on this personal level. Um, you know, there's these, all these, you know, videos of him going up to anyone who has a stutter, which is um, what Joe Biden had to overcome uh, as a young child and still overcoming right now. But, you know, over, you know, seeing the stutter on the streets and then just giving them their number um, and the, his number and then, uh, you know, connecting with them later. And just, I think that's just so unique for a candidate. And it just speaks to, you know, his values and just how he empathizes with people and how, you know, he is committed to really just connecting with people on this personal level that unfortunately many politicians don't. So, I mean, for Jill, I know that like, you know, this convention was and not this convention, this, you know, primary season, there were so many diverse candidates from, you know, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Kamala Harris. Um, I guess, you know, for both you and I, like, like, why, why was Joe Biden appealing for you when, you know, there were so many women on the ticket um, who you could have supported? There were, and, um, and I liked almost, almost all of the candidates well enough to say, mm -hmm. looking at it, whoever doesn't win the presidency could be vice president. And whoever doesn't get that slot could be in the cabinet. Yeah. Uh, almost 100% of the people running on the Democratic uh, ticket in the primaries were terrific people. Mm -hmm. For me, it was that I felt that Biden's policies were policies that were achievable. They weren't pie in the sky. I love what Bernie Sanders offers, mm -hmm. but I don't think that it's realistic. And I thought then and still think that many people that we need, we Democrats need to attract in order to win the electoral college yeah. are people who are registered Republicans or independents who might be persuaded to support the Democratic Party and they won't support it if it's too extreme. And I felt that Joe Biden honestly believes in that middle path and he believes in bipartisanship, he believes in bringing people together and I just felt from the beginning. Now, I did have a moment of hesitation. There were a couple of gaffes that got, I think, exaggerated beyond what they were worth, particularly given the stupid things that Donald Trump says every day and the misrepresent, the lies, let's call them what they are. Let's just say this, not that, the lies that he tells. Um, it's hard to believe that anyone would focus on a simple gaffe, but I went to see Biden in person before I actually signed up. Mm -hmm. And in person, he's magical. Yeah. He's magnetic. He is charming. He's graceful. He appears much younger than his, I mean, he mm -hmm. just is, he moves very, very gracefully and yeah. with a ramrod straight posture. Mm -hmm. And I just felt really, after seeing him in person, I had no hesitation about running for him. I got to be a um, surrogate for him in some of the places. For example, the uh, Democratic Party of Evanston had an endorsement mm -hmm. session and I spoke on his behalf. Yeah. Um, and uh, at that time, uh, Jan Schakowsky, who now supports him, was uh, supporting Elizabeth Warren. And she's a hard act to follow, I have to say. She's <laughs> terrific. And I'm delighted that we're gonna be talking to her during this campaign coverage 
So everybody listening today should look forward to hearing from uh, mm -hmm. my representative, Jan Schakowsky. Um, and so that's why I supported him was I believed in his policies and I believed in his abilities to bring people together. I remember the time of bipartisanship and we need that mm -hmm. in order to get things done. We have to win at this point though, we have to win not just the presidency, but the House and the Senate because we cannot go back to the gridlock of the Obama era. We, and, and actually of this era right now, we're in gridlock because the Senate will not even have hearings on any of the things that Democrats pass in the House. So it's really an important election at the top and all the way down the ballot. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I echo everything you just said. And um, I, like, you know, as a young person, you know, I think the natural inclination isn't, you know, to support someone who is uh, the oldest <laughs> candidate on the ballot. Um, but I, I totally agree with you. You know, I went to see him in, um, uh, in Iowa right before the Iowa caucuses with my school. And so I sat behind him at one of those rallies. Usually you see the candidate speaking and right behind them, there are like yeah. a group of people sitting there. And so I saw him speak and it was just, you know, like you said, like you said, it was just so interesting to just see how he connects with people. Like he's yeah. such a charming person. Yeah. But I guess moving now from like why we support Joe Biden into our experience you know, with this convention, um, other than, you know, seeing all these speakers, a big role is um, our delegates, you know. Um, so I guess, do you want to kind of explain what the process sure. was like for you running as a delegate? And I guess like give people a behind the scenes look as to what goes into running as a delegate? Well, running as a delegate means going to an information session. I went to one at the Broadway Armory in Chicago. Uh, it means being approved by the candidate to run as a delegate. And then in Illinois, it's a very complicated process of selection. Um, for me, it, it meant getting a certain number of uh, names on a ballot for myself and for the candidate, two separate ballots. For the candidate, it could be from people who lived anywhere. For me, it had to be people who lived in the 9th Congressional District, the Illinois 9th. Um, and as it would be for Victor, who had ran, ran in the 10th, yeah. he has to get people who live in the 10th. And, and might I add um, that when we collected those petition signatures, though, that was during like the brutal Chicago winter yes. month. So it was uh, definitely some sacrifice there. I, I spoke at an indivisible rally during that period um, and was able to get, I think, That's all so the signatures I needed yeah. right in that one time. But let me yeah. tell you what it's like speaking, holding a microphone oh when it's near zero. It was, oh my God, it was, it was awful, but it was also very exciting. And, mm -hmm. and um, I did not actually campaign. Um, and I'm blessed with having name recognition now, thanks to MSNBC. And so I ended up with more votes than any other delegate in my district and actually probably in most districts and yeah. more votes than some of the people running for elected office. Yes. And that is solely due to name recognition. And I'm very grateful to all those people who knew my name and voted for me. So mm -hmm. it was very exciting to see my name. It is one of the last public things I did because our primary was March 17th, which was at the very beginning of things. It was before the shutdown, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it was when you were aware that you needed to wear gloves and a mask yeah. to vote. I brought my own pen. I did vote in person and I brought my own pen so I didn't have to use anything that someone else had touched. I wore my little kitchen gloves and touched the screen. Right, um, right. So, it, it, but it was very exciting to be on the ballot and then watch for the election results. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. of course, in that 
time we had the results the next day, we will not have the results uh, of this November's election for, I mean, a minimum of a week, and that may be overly optimistic. But it was exciting to run. Uh, what, what was it like for you? Did you actually campaign? Yes, I mean, like I made these like like three by five like so I ordered three by five index cards of like you know like Victor Shi uh, vote for me on March seventeenth you know uh, you know Ooh. high school senior kind of like get people like like kind of excited about it so that was like I, I just handed them out like wherever I was and so um, luckily with that I kind of edged out because I was you know running you know when you're running as a delegate you're usually yeah. slated with like five four other people depending on how big your district is I'm like. Jill said, like, you're usually listed with elected officials or Democratic yes. insiders. And so if you don't have that name recognition, you really have yeah. to, you know, kind of like campaign and like do those things. But I was lucky enough to come in third, which was just um, barely like, uh, you know, being able to go to the convention. But I mean, it's really interesting process. I'm sure that. Yeah. And the Illinois rules are very complicated because it's not just how many votes you get. It's how many votes the candidate gets. And there is also gender and race um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. requirements so that it's possible that um, someone who wins the most, well, maybe not the most votes, but for example, if there's four delegates and you win third, you yeah. might not actually get on the ticket. Um, you might not actually be elected as a delegate because you're the wrong gender. And that's a good thing because it's for too long we've had um, we haven't had that. Right, and so it right. was very complicated, but I was very, very pleased with the results. And for sure, for sure. Um, I, let's talk now about the actual convention, which starts mm -hmm. tonight, 8 p.m. Central Time. Adjust that for whatever time zone you're in. And what are you expecting and what did you expect compared to uh, when you ran? I mean, when you ran, I'm sure you had different expectations than you do now. but. Tell me about both of those. Yeah, I mean, so this will be my first ever convention, um, virtually, uh, might I add as well. But um, so I remember watching the 2016 convention. That was like my first um, like dive into politics after my eighth grade social studies teacher got me involved um, that summer before my freshman year of high school was my first real like convention that I watched. And so I watched Hillary Clinton speak. I watched you know, all these performers sing um, and just really like bedazzled uh, program that they put on together. And so um, usually the biggest moment at the convention is when all the balloons drop from the ceiling yes. and that's like the red white and blue balloons and um you know just seeing that moment behind my television screen it was just so like it's such a celebratory you know atmosphere and you know everyone coming together um to nominate the democratic um you know party's nominee and um you know this time around when i was running to become a delegate i was looking forward to that moment of just you know all of you know delegates across the country literally thousands you know coming together and this isn't just an ordinary event where anyone can go to you know you have to be either a delegate affiliated with a campaign you know part of the media or you know one of those people but um you know, i was just really looking forward to um you know those in-person connections you know being on the arena but now it's all virtual and so with this convention now, you know, tonight we have the likes of Amy Klobuchar, we have Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo speaking, Gretchen Whitmer, um, and each night there's like a theme. So like um, each night there's a theme that the Democratic Party wants to come, that really wants to emphasize with their speaker. And I'm assuming, I'm not sure on the top of my head, but it seems like with some of the governors speaking, they really want to just emphasize, I, I don't know, like leadership or, um, you know, yes. with this coronavirus pandemic. So um, definitely not the same, but I think they're kind of 
pulling it off in you know the best way that they can how about yourself Joe? um like you've attended so, your first one yeah. i think you told me was 1976 like how were your parents about? even married at that time um yes I, that was my first convention i was counsel to lindy boggs who was the chair of the convention it was in new york and i had just finished the watergate trial mm-hmm. um and had been hatch act uh, oh. which is a federal law that prohibits everyone except the president of the United States from using their office or their name in any way in connection with a, a campaign mm-hmm. or election. Mm-hmm. And so I had just left the Department of Justice and was for the first time free uh, to be involved and to campaign. Sure. And it was very exciting, but it was especially exciting because my first convention, I was on the platform and had a role so it was it was a thrill and you don't know how much you're missing uh and maybe we can before we get finish this episode we can go to a virtual background with balloons behind us so we have one like the official one and then we have one giving you a sneak peek inside the arena right um, and so i think that's sort of a good good way to um to go yeah um so anyway, now we're both conventioneering, and uh, I think it's exciting, but you, you can't even imagine the excitement that's generated. And I worry that people watching, you're going to get great information, and there are some, some very exciting things planned throughout this convention, little bits of performances and um, very wonderful entertainers doing some emceeing. So I think you're going to all enjoy the convention. But it's sort of like um, without hearing the cheering, you don't build the same enthusiasm. It's sort of like watching the late night comedy shows that you used to laugh uproariously along with the audience. And now when you're sitting alone, or in my case with my husband, you don't laugh as much because you're not hearing it. I think Bill Maher has been brilliant mm-hmm. in putting mm-hmm. laugh track with video of people laughing, not just the sound, but yeah, actual, yeah. you watch it, it does make you laugh more. And some of them are very funny. You laugh at just the people laughing. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's gonna be harder to build the kind of enthusiasm, yeah. but I'm very encouraged because the announcement of Kamala Harris as the vice presidential oh, yeah. nominee really revved up some excitement. And now that we're going to be seeing Biden every day, and hopefully there'll be equal coverage because the president is trying to take away from the convention by scheduling counter appearances. Um, And so, but I think we will feel some excitement. I know I will. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure all the journalists covering it would rather be in a glass booth at the convention yeah. than sitting in their living rooms, watching it on their computers. Um, I, the thing I will miss the most is the ability to meet heroes of mine. I, I have always, you know, people get excited seeing movie stars. I get excited seeing politicians. Like I've always politics. loved politics. Yes. And so yeah. being in the room is very different than watching them. And even oh, all the yeah. virtual caucuses and council meetings are not interactive. You aren't mm-hmm. really, you know, they don't see your face and your reaction. Um, it's, it's not, 
not the same. It's just not the same. So I will miss that and getting to meet people that I've never met before would mm -hmm. be very, very thrilling. Definitely. So, but we're going to make the best of it. And the advantage is more people can participate now. Everyone yeah. uh, will post the link on our website, but everyone can join in to live streaming of committee meetings, council meetings, caucuses, um, and, and you should definitely do that. Today there's a women's caucus I'm particularly interested in about women leaders. There's another one on Wednesday, a women's caucus. Women's caucus. Um, there's senior caucuses, there's labor caucuses, there's Hispanic caucuses. There's just, there's sort of something for everybody. And you should look at the schedule of events during the day and just tune in on your computer or your phone. Um, you'll, you will enjoy it and you will learn and you'll understand what the Democrats have planned for the next administration. Yeah. I'm hoping there's a 2001 <laughs> uh, equivalent of this t-shirt yes. in my wardrobe soon. For sure, for sure. And I think just the same thing as you were saying, you know, this, it's definitely not the same, but you know, who knows? Cause I think that they hired, you know, really high end producers to put on the show cause yes. they wanted it to be like something where, um, you know, if you watch the Super Bowl or the Grammys or the Emmys, you could just watch with your whole family and still Right. Uh, feel the atmosphere. So who knows, maybe they thought of, you know, the clapping thing, maybe they're going to insert some uh, virtual clapping noise, but we'll definitely have to wait until tonight, which it starts at yeah. eight o'clock central time and then goes all the way until 10 with some great first speakers this night. Um, so, and you forgot to mention, by the way, that Michelle Obama is speaking tonight, who oh, may she? be oh, the block, but yes, tonight is Michelle Obama. There she is. I yes. believe okay. she will definitely be a blockbuster. Oh, yeah. um, she's maybe the most loved Democrat in the entire world. Um, but I, I, I want to ask you one last question, which is, it's so important that your generation and the generations just, um, you know, before you vote, uh, my generation will vote and we will vote no matter what COVID does. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm hoping to vote by mail. I've applied for my mail-in ballot. But if something happened and it didn't come, I'll, I'll wrap myself in cellophane and I will get there. Yeah, I will right, do it. Right. But what will motivate your peers? What will excite them enough to get out there and vote? It's, do they even realize the danger that this country is in under the current administration? The rule of law is in jeopardy. And we need to make sure that people are protected I mean, COVID, everybody knows, has been a disaster under Trump. But what exactly will motivate people? And what can you hope that this convention might provide as a stimulus to that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, so you know, just like to put it into perspective, I mean, young people, unfortunately, don't really turn out to vote um, compared to some of the other age cohorts. So, you know, I think the motivating factor is why we kind of stay at home is one, I just don't think that there is representation in politics. So like when we, you know, go to cast our vote, we think it's a waste of time. We think that our vote doesn't matter. You know, we think that um, politics is just for old people or for just for adults. Um, so we feel like our voice is kind of forgotten in this process. And so um, kind of taking, you know, that condition and, you know, extending on to like this election, I think that this election is different. You know, um, we've seen Donald Trump really shift our country when, with this coronavirus pandemic. And now, um, you know, after uh, George Floyd's killing, we've seen so many young people just really take to the streets. And, you know, I don't think anyone can deny their activism. You know, young people, their activism, their ability to organize is like 
incomparable, but I think it's about getting young people's energy and passion from like, whether it's climate change and with Greta Thunberg and you know, all of those massive demonstrations or you know, with Black Lives Matter, it's about getting that energy to the polls in November and to vote not just for Joe Biden, but for all Democrats. And I think, um, you know, I, I think we're in a different moment now. And I think this convention is um, one of the best ways to do so. So you know, we have Bernie Sanders speaking, we have AOC speaking. I think the Democratic Party realizes that in order to win in November, we need big margins, um, because if we don't have yes. big margins, obviously, you know, Trump might just challenge it in the courts. And if he challenges in the courts, you know, he, there's a 5-4 majority, who knows what will happen. Um, but I think Democrats realize we need to win big. And part of winning big is mobilizing young people to vote. And I think mobilizing young people to vote, you really have to say, you know, we hear you, we see you. And I think with AOC speaking, with Bernie Sanders speaking, with you know some of the more uh, progressive wing of the party speaking, hopefully that'll you know make that energy and really turn that energy and make it you know have them go to the ballot box. Um, but I, I think it's uh, it's good that they're really trying to you know um, uh, make sure that young young voices are heard by including some of these leaders that have really brought on a lot of young people. So let me just add a little to that, which is I agree, of course, with everything you've said. And I think social media will play a role in, in this because that's how younger people organize and hear the news. Um, so we must be sure that the Democratic Party pays enough attention to that kind of outreach. But my advice is, if you think your voice isn't heard, it's because you didn't vote. Mm -hmm. If you voted, people would pay more attention to you because that's what representatives pay attention to. Yeah. They pay attention to, will I get reelected? They will reach out to do the things that their constituents who vote want. And so if you turn out, you will have a voice that you cannot have by just protesting. And I am a big supporter of public protests. It made a difference in Watergate. It led to appointing a new special prosecutor after Nixon fired Archie Cox. There was a public protest and he had to say, okay, I'll give you the tapes and I'll appoint you a new special prosecutor. It works. Mm -hmm. I also wanna say one other thing which you sort of alluded to, which is there's a big difference between now in terms of challenging the election. When there was a question when John Kennedy, who was the first candidate that I ever campaigned for, I was too young to vote, but I campaigned for. Yeah. Um, and there was some question about the vote in Chicago. Mayor Daley, number one, the first Mayor Daley, um, was being accused of sort of vote early and vote often. <sighs> and um, Richard Nixon, very much a believer in the rule of law, even though he violated the law, <laughs> uh, <laughs> did believe in the rule of law. So when the Supreme Court ordered him to turn over the tapes, he did, even though he had to have known that it was the end of his presidency. Yeah. But he also declined to challenge the election results, which were close that time. And the same thing happened with Gore, when in Florida, it was clear that there was hanky-panky going on, that it was not, you know, the hanging chad issue. Yeah. He would have won depending on how you counted the hanging chads and how you, you know, what the rules were that you applied. There was a valid reason to appeal it. And 
I was furious that he didn't because I think he would have won if he had. Mm -hmm. But he, and in retrospect, viewing it through the lens of today, he did the right thing by saying, this is our system, I accept the results, I concede the election, and I was furious and upset, mm -hmm. but look at what's happening now with Donald Trump trying to undermine our belief in the system and succeeding. So I think that you have to say that accepting the results, which isn't to say that we sh shouldn't have a landslide, because that does make a difference. And it has to be a landslide, not just for the president to avoid the president challenging it, but it has to be a landslide for the Congress as well, mm -hmm. uh, House and Senate. Yeah. So that's my only um, addition is that the rule of law was admired and accepted by Nixon and by Gore, and it should be by all citizens and even President Trump. But unfortunately, it's not. And that's why we have this convention this week is yes. to emphasize that Joe Biden is the person. So, I mean, this, this was a really nice preview for um, our rest of the convention coverage. And just to give you guys a sneak peek um, at what we have planned, um, Jill had said that, you know, we have uh, her congresswoman, uh, Jan Schakowsky, coming on our show um, later this week. We also have my congressperson, uh, Brad Schneider, coming on the show. Um, we got official confirmation today. Um, we'll definitely have some exciting speakers to really, um, you know, celebrate this big moment in politics. You know, while we're not able to convene together right. and celebrate this moment and see the, my background, the red, white, and blue balloons dropping in the arena, hopefully we can kind of provide you guys with that same sense of energy through our podcast. So, and uh, you forgot to mention, we have Rick Wilson. We have Rick Wilson as yes. well. Yes, we have Rick Wilson. From the Lincoln Wilson. Project, which yes. will be a very exciting conversation. Yeah, definitely such an important group. You know, th th these bunch of Republic, former Republicans um, all banded together, including Kellyanne Conway's old, no, sorry, Kellyanne Conway's husband. Uh, <laughs> husband. Um, you know, so they're all coming together to say, you know, we don't support Donald Trump and they're doing so many great ads that I think will definitely play a role in this election, helping defeating Donald Trump. So, so we hope we've whetted your appetite for watching the convention tonight and participating in some of the caucuses and committees. Yeah. Go on the Democratic National Committee's website, uh, and we'll have the link on ours so that you can do it easily through our website as well. Yeah. And pay attention. It's really important. We want you to love Joe and Kamala. We want you to vote. And we want you, of course, to vote for blue candidates everywhere down the line. For sure. And thank you for listening. We hope you listening also enjoy this episode. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, and send us suggestions, ideas for future topics, and speakers you would like to see via Jill, myself, or our website. Lastly, Intergenerational Politics is now on Apple Podcasts, so be sure to subscribe and rate our channel to support us. Thanks for listening, and see you on our next episode.